What is up, everybody? That's the best intro in the game. And I'm Lance McCullers. I'm with my co-host, Carlos Correa. And we are back, baby. We are back in person. We are back in town, baby. I miss this, bro. Getting some wine, recording the Shit. podcast, getting ready for a Saturday night fight. I mean... Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Afternoon. That's yeah. true. But it doesn't get any better, brother. Dog, it's been about a month since we've been able to record in person. I was in Tampa, Florida, visiting the family for the holidays. I came back to Houston. Uh, we were supposed to have brunch, but you had family in town. And then the next day... After we were supposed to get brunch, I got exposed to COVID. I did my 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 seven day uh, quarantine, um, and then I got exposed again. So our last couple episodes had to be on Zoom, um, but it's just not the same, bro. It's not the same as being in person with you, bro. Of course, it's not the same. And as soon as you texted me, I'm negative for the last time. I ran over here, got in my car, and we're ready to record a podcast, brother. I mean, it's been too long, brother. Yeah, I miss you. I miss my you. My brother jumped in that McLaren 720, came <laughs> over to the crib. <laughs> bro, bro, it's been too long, honestly. I've been watching fights with Daniela, and I, all I hear is the TikTok on the background. <laughs> oh, my god! When I'm trying to watch the fights, and I'm like, babe, can you turn that down? Need some headphones. Like, Wait, you're watching the fights. Why can't I watch my TikToks? And I'm like, oh, come on. I need less yeah. to get back. <laughs> yeah, so we're back. Carlos said we'll be watching the fights this Saturday. Uh, these fights are huge coming up. We're going to be recording um us throughout the pod uh, throughout the fights rather and uh, be releasing it because we think that'd be uh pretty cool you guys enjoyed the one time we did that way back for the uh, gaichi versus um ferguson fight so we have a uh 2020 double header for you guys today we have a seven inning episode but it's going to be packed Packed. gonna be packed i'm ready brother are you i am ready we got our wine we got our music back we're 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 in person so i'm ready to roll any number one max versus Calvin Cater, that is Max Holloway, coming up this weekend. That's our first segment coming right now. All right, Fight Fans, UFC is officially back. They are on cable TV. They're on ABC and ESPN this Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the afternoon fight because they are over there in Abu Dhabi. So make sure to set your alarms. Do not forget There is no better way to open 2021 in the UFC game with one of Carlos and I's both favorite fighters in Max Holloway and an up-and-comer in that division in Calvin Cater. Yeah, the New England cartel, brother. Um, The Boston finisher. Yeah, he's he's a real deal, bro. This guy is going to come out there and fight. But let me tell you, bro, Max... This this is a must-win situation for him. I mean, two losses to Volkanovski. I get it. He's the champ. But right now, he needs to win this fight. He needs to get back in the title picture. Um, he's the number one ranked guy. Yep. Um, he's been going through some wars in his UFC career, even though he's 29. I mean, he's the second guy with the most absorbed strikes. That's head strikes in UFC history. And he's only 29, brother. I mean, you know, Max needs... And that's why probably he stopped sparring. He stopped sparring because he's been getting hit too much. He don't need to get hit. Um during sparring sessions, but we remember that fight against Poirier, bro. Yeah. I mean, sometimes having that, that great chin is, is not good for your health. I mean, he's taking shots and he's just walking right through them. Yeah, it, it affects you, but, you know, he was winning fights, so it doesn't matter. But at this point in time, he needs to win this fight. 100%, man. This is a uh, this is as much of a must-win fight um, for Max Holloway as it can get. I mean, Max Holloway will always be a name in the fight game. He's a, he's a UFC Hall of Famer waiting to happen one day. And he is just a spectacular fighter, a spectacular person. We know a lot about Max. The UFC and the community is, is so familiar uh, with how good of a person he is and how good of a champion and ambassador he is for this game. But unfortunately, this is the fight game. 
Mm-hmm. And Max has to go out there and, and, and show us that a very similar performance that he did against Volkanovski. I feel bad for Max because he won that fight. I don't give a, a rat's ass. I know that, you know, the judges rule the end of the day if it goes to decision. But in my opinion, he won that second fight. He should be the champ right now. But he's got to show us, man. Calvin Cater is a hell of a fighter. He's got probably, I mean, he's probably got the best hands as far as power goes in that featherweight division. He's ranked number six. And right behind Holloway, you got Brian Ortega, who's waiting for that title fight. You have Sabit. You have Yair Rodriguez, who's getting suspended. Um, and then, you know, you have um, you have Chan Young, and then you have Calvin Cater, bro. And then Josh Emmett right behind him, who, who just had a very impressive win not too long ago. So this division is stacked, and Max has to... Has to earn his keep right here. He's got to put up a hell of a performance against a, a a great a great fighter. Absolutely, and the number one contender right now is up for takes. I mean, you got Sabit waiting in the silence because Jair is out. You got Max and Cater. The winner of this fight is probably gonna be number one contender for the fight after Bolka and Ortega. I yeah. mean, they're gonna fight probably for the title next, and then the number one contender is right here um, on Calvin Cater and Max Holloway. That trilogy fight against Volkanovski. Dana White doesn't sound like he's a big fan of it, but if if Holloway wins, he's gotta he's gotta get that trilogy fight, even though he's lost the first two. No, I mean if if, if Max wins in good fashion and um, Volca gets through Ortega, and that and that's no that's not gonna be easy, man. Um, Ortega was known as a guy with um, you know phenomenal ground game, uh, good cardio, but he always struggled to put it together um, standing up, and he looked amazing against the Korean Zombie. Um, you know, he has a new camp. He has a, uh, he's renewed. He feels like it is his time. So that's going to be a tough fight for Volca. But if Volca does get through that, get through that, that, that battle and Max wins against, against Cater, it's the fight to make. But, um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I have a, I have a weird feeling about this fight, bro. I have a weird feeling. I mean, Calvin is just, he's a hell of a striker. He's got cardio. I feel like it kind of goes, it kind of plays against, Max, because as you said, I mean, he's not afraid to eat those shots. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid to eat them, but this is a different type of power that Calvin Cater possesses at that 145 division. I don't know if anyone Max has ever fought has the pure, just the pure Connor. violent power. Connor. Just power for power, though. You think? I think so. Well, I mean, I we saw does. Uh, Cater's ability to... At 145. At 145. I mean, uh, you know, Calvin's ability to, to put Stevenson out with that elbow. Mm-hmm. So he's showing, you know, um, well-rounded, uh, a well-rounded game. He fought Dan Ige not too long ago and it pushed him five rounds and he looked good all five. Yeah. You know, Dan Ige's a, a really good, he's a scrapper, man. He can wrestle. He, he, he has an iron chin. He can throw hands. So Calvin has had two great wins in uh, 2020 under his belt. Max is one in three in his last four, bro. And I, I just... I can't see him go like this, man. I can't see him go like this. It, it's got to be, it's got to be a hell of a performance. And he said it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's up for him right now. I mean, he's not sparring. He's training through Zoom still. I mean, he's got to put up a great performance. But the, the featherweight division is finally getting a clearer picture. You know, you got Cater coming. You got Sabit. You got Josh Emmett that even though he suffered the, the ACL um, surgery, he'll be back probably next year. And this guy's a monster. I mean, this guy's a nightmare for everybody at 145. It just takes one shot with him and you're out. I mean, you know, the, the, the picture is clear. And the featherweight division is one of the best divisions out there in the UFC right now. So I'm excited for this fight, bro. It's going to be a good one. I'm definitely excited, but it's a nervous excitement because I do like Calvin Cater. I'm a fan of his. Uh, Michael Carter Williams, uh, here's a shout out. It's the first inning, mm-hmm. so you should hear it. 
Um, he's that's that's his boy right there. Michael Carter Williams is Calvin Cater. He's his number one, bro. And um, Max is kind of our number ones. I mean, besides, you know, I have Connor. You have, um, you know, you have Habib, and we have some other really fav- uh, favorite fighters. But Max has been up there for a long time, and I just—it's a nervous excitement because when you have a test like this in front of you, Max can show the world, you know, who he is. But also, you know, it could go—it could go the other way. But Max did say, um, you know, he's very excited to be on ABC, and he said that this time you're you're um, you're going to see something special. So, you know, make sure you tune in. He's going to he's gonna handle the rest, and, and he's going to show us what he's got, and I'm looking forward to that. Bro, the walk-up podcast will never root against Max. No. We, we, got, we got his boxing gloves signed by him yeah. here. We got his uh, MMA gloves signed by him here. The walk-up podcast stands Max Holloway. Yeah, we're, we're Max Holloway stands. I'm never going to say anything bad about Calvin Cater because he works his ass off, and he's a heck of a fighter. But um, how do you see, like, what plan – does Max Holloway take in against a guy who probably has obviously superior power and this is probably going to be a fight, you know, on the feet. So how do you, how do you think Max could open up early because Calvin has been known to be a slow starter. So how can Max take, take, you know, take advantage of that, that first round? Yeah. For me, Max needs to mix it up. Like he did on the second fight against Volkanovski. You saw, you usually see a Max where he's just out there and he's just popping the jab and popping the two, but on the second fight against Volkanovski, he was throwing leg kicks. He was throwing head kicks that actually wanted to drop Volkanovski because he was not expecting it. And if he can throw some um, of the oblique kicks and mix it all up and have Calvin Cater guessing all the time, I think that's going to give him an edge. You know, Max not going to get tired. You know, he can go 25 hard. But with a guy like Calvin Cater, you cannot take risks. No. You got to stay on the outside. You got to pop the jab. You got to pop the leg kick. You got to move. You can never have long exchanges with a guy like Calvin Cater that hits so much more harder than you. And I get it. Max, he's been hit by Poirier. He didn't go down. No. I get it. He's got a great chin, but still, you cannot take that risk and take one punch that you don't see and can black you out. So he's got to play it smart, and he should be able to win that fight. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, Max, he showed in that Volkanovski fight, he can fight from the outside. He can use those leg kicks. He can use his fighter IQ. He's a He can counter strike beautifully. Um, you know, Max has always been a hell of a fighter on the feet, but we've always been very used to seeing Max be the one to, a lot of times, initiate that uh, initiate that violence or, you know, be the one to walk the fighter down or, you know, meet, meet in the center and, and, and let it go. So, you know, and on the flip side, I think Calvin needs to, needs to walk Max down. I think he understands that this guy, although he's a phenomenal striker, he doesn't have one knockout power. Calvin's been hit by, by some of the best. This is a similar fight to maybe, um, as I beat to where the, the, the array of, skill is there, but the knockout power may not be, you know, the best skill. So Cater needs to start hot early. He needs to walk Max down. He needs to close that distance because if Max has his way from the outside and starts to frustrate Cater, then at that point, when Cater overextends and comes in for some big shots, Max will be able to piece him up and kind of have his way. So it's going to be an interesting chess match, man. I think, I think this is going to be a hell of a main event. We said in the last pod, this could be one of those, one of those early fight of the year candidates. So I'm super happy the UFC made this happen so early. Yeah, bro. Now that you mentioned this, Abi fight, brother, he looks so good he late did? in that late? fight. And that was a three round fight. Yeah. A five round fight with Max. It's, it, it's going to be tough for Max. I mean, yeah, but if he has the right game plan, I think he can pull this win off. Yeah. I think he needs to be patient. Like you said, use his kicks, his ability to strike from the outside will be the difference here. And then his ability to counter strike with his striking, 
um, will be his friend because you know he you can't walk this guy down. You saw Jeremy Stevens try to do it when Dan Ige got a little spicy and got frustrated. He came in and, and Calvin let him know where he lives. So uh, Max needs to lure him in. Cater, this is his biggest fight of his career outside of the uh, Zabit fight, and you know it's it's his, it's a main event on national TV. You know Calvin has a chance for a lifetime right here. So Max needs to allow him to kind of walk into his trap, and he needs to he needs to be able to fight his fight. If you start getting in a brawl with Calvin Cater, brother, it's gonna, it, it, could, it could be a short night. Yeah, it could be bad. And we talked about this. This has potential for fight of the year, brother. I mean, these guys are going to go out there 25. Cardio, iron chins, great striking. That's what it. you want. All of it, bro. So, guys, tune in. ABC or ESPN Plus? This fight is going to be amazing. Yeah, guys, and also on that card, as Carlos mentioned, make sure you tune in. You have Carlos Condit, the natural born killer versus Matt Brown, two OGs um, of the modern day UFC fight game. We also have Juwan Buckley on that card. Of course, he's he, you know, he caught highlights everywhere with that ninja kick, uh, that back spinning kick. And uh, we have two middleweights going at it. We have uh, Serrano versus Dusko Torovich, uh, seven and zero for Serrano, ten and zero for Dusko uh, to open the night and the main card. So, you know, this card has some potential here, but we're looking for that main, we're looking for that main event. That's why we're going to tune in on ABC. Um, that is Saturday, January 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Do not miss it. Any number two coming up. And of course, we can't get past any number two or three without talking about Mr. Carter McGregor. So that is next. Welcome in any number two. And as we mentioned, it is it's January of 2021, better known as Conor McGregor Fight Month. Yeah, here on the Walkout Podcast and really the MMA community, uh, when Conor is going to fight, man, it is the it's the only thing you can think about. It's the only thing you can think about. And um, the 23rd is coming hot. Are you as excited as I am, bro? I'm super excited. The whole world knows Conor is fighting soon. They don't know when. The casuals don't know when, <laughs> but they know he's fighting soon. We'll catch the ESPN commercial. Yeah, and you know, I go to a batting cage, and you know, I talk to people there, and they ask me, "Hey, when is Conor fighting? When is Conor fighting?" So I'm like, January 23rd. Make sure you tune in. I can invite you to my house because of COVID. Yeah, but make sure you tune in. Get that ESPN subscription. Um, but bro, I'm super excited. Nothing like the That's Conor McGregor say. show. Nothing like the Conor Nothing. McGregor show. And, and also, the dance partner here, it takes two to tango mm-hmm. because I was excited a year ago for Conor to fight Cowboy, but it wasn't this excited because Dustin Poirier is a hell of a fighter, guys. I, I, can't, I can't scream it loud enough. Dustin Poirier, outside of Habib, is Conor's toughest fight. Well, now Charles Oliveira. Mm. But it's, I mean, it is a hell of a matchup. Not only they have fought before, but just the growth that we have seen from Poirier, the performance we saw against Dan Hooker, it gets you excited to see Connor against the top of the top in the UFC game right now. That's what we want to see. When you talk about elite, you mentioned Dustin Poirier. You He's mentioned Connor McGregor. You mentioned um, Gaethje. You mentioned Hooker. You mentioned Habib. You I don't mention Gaethje in elite. You mentioned Gaethje. I, I elite. do mention Gaethje in elite. Um, and brother. Conor McGregor is going to fight an elite guy at 155. I think this is, the, for me, this is the most elite guy he's going to fight that he can, has actually with the guys that he's won against after Aldo. Yeah. He's, you got Aldo, Eddie Alvarez, all respect to him. He was champ and everything, but he's not at the level of Dustin Poirier. No. He's not at the level of Jose Aldo. Nope. So Conor uh, KO Jose Aldo, he promises 60 seconds of Dustin Poirier. I mean, if you can't do that, those are two elite guys that you slept under a minute. Yeah. 
I mean, that puts you on a special place with the double champ status. So this is the fight that will tell us, is Connor really the guy that's going to rule the 155-pound division after Habib vacates that title? You know, I, I, I don't know if Habib is definitely going to vacate that title. Dana seems to think otherwise. You know, but Connor, he's on Twitter and he's, he says, I promise a masterpiece. You're going to, you know, you're going to get violence. You're going to get the top levels of MMA. I mean, what a businessman. This guy, I mean, I get chills talking about it, bro. Like I'm so, I'm so freaking excited for this fight. And like we've said, I mean, listen, I'm not going to front guys. I'm not going to lie. I want Conor McGregor to win this fight. Okay. I want him to win. But Dustin Poirier is another Another fan favorite, another one of my favorites, and I, I love I love him, and I love him, and and being able to see two guys in their prime because the first time they fought, it was. Let little- me ask something real quick. You okay. picked Poirier or Dan Hooker? Yes, Just I so did. So people know yes, how much you love Poirier. I picked Hooker. You picked Poirier. Yep. Over Hooker, and he won that fight. Yes, I did pick Poirier confidently over Hooker, um, and he delivered. Man, I mean, this guy is as well rounded as it gets. He's got striking. He switches stances. He can kick. He's got a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's got a gas tank for days. He's got a chin. I mean, the strikes he was absorbing from Hooker early, bro. I was super worried. I was super worried that fight. I was like, gosh, damn, bro. Hooker is throwing mean shots. That second round. That Ooh. second round, bro. But his ability to, you know, when he moved up from 145 to 155 and he started growing into his body a little bit, I think that chin came along with it, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really did. And I don't see Connor putting his lights out as easy as he did the first time. I do see Connor putting his, um, winning the fight via TKO, but I don't see as, you know, the, the, the glancing left hand to the, you know, to the back of the head as the shot that does it. But damn, bro, you cannot draw up a better matchup to open the year, especially with Habib out. Cause I wouldn't want to see Connor versus a Charles, a Charles Oliveira right off the bat off, a, you know, a, a layoff. I wouldn't want to see him against anyone else. This fight means so much to fight fans cause they fought once already. And everybody knows that, that hooker, I'm sorry, that Poirier is going to push Connor and, and multiple and multiple facets of his game, especially if he can drag it past the second round and we can, we can see what Connor's got the, the third on. Yeah, we, we talked about this, you know, off the record. Connor, in order for him to win this fight, I feel like he's got to finish it inside two rounds. Two rounds. I give him eight minutes of explosiveness like he always does. He goes out there, and he's strong, and he's explosive, and he's a lethal weapon. And he's going to go out there and put your lights out. After that, the power is going to fade. The explosiveness is going to fade. The stamina is going to fade, and then that's when Poirier is going to still be there, and he might be able to win the fight late. Now, if the fight hits the third round, brother, Conor is in big trouble because I don't see that cardio getting better. That's not the way his body's built up. He's an explosive type of fighter that goes out there, throws everything with everything he's got, and if he doesn't get the TKO, then he's got a, he's got a, he's got a battle in the last three rounds. We saw it against Nate Diaz, a guy that, that can hit, almost finished Conor in the third round. A guy that has the power that Poirier has, the te- the technical abilities that Poirier has. I mean, Poirier, you said it better than anybody. He's the whole package. Yeah. He can do it all. Yeah. And if Conor's not able to finish inside the first two rounds, I think he's in trouble. What did you tell me the other day would surprise the shit out of Conor if Poirier came out of the gate? What did you say? And if he wrestled. If he wrestled. If, if Poirier do the, if the, he will go out there and do the Usman and clinch him against the fence. And make sure he mixes in the takedowns and try to make Connor defend. Connor's a good takedown defense. Though. He is great, but 
You know that you 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 get in there every no, single day, yeah. And you know how tiring it is to defend takedowns yeah. and grapple with somebody and use your entire force to try to stop a takedown. Yeah, yeah. So if he can do that early with some leg kicks in there, color might be gas in the second. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think it's a good strategy. It's a great strategy. It's what I said about uh, Gaethje fighting Habib. Yeah, you got to do things that people don't see coming. You have to do things that are unorthodox when you're fighting these dudes, especially with the history they have. Bro, I know Dustin says, hey, listen, I'm older now. I'm mature as a fighter. I get it. Bro, it's just like pitching. It's just like hitting. It don't matter. When someone's got your number, when someone has taken you deep or, you know, in a big moment or has gotten hits over you consistently, or if you're facing a pitcher and he just seems to always freaking get you out, it doesn't matter if it's years from that moment or not. You got that in your head. You know this dude has that success against you. So, you know, I think Dustin's got to come out and give Connor a different look. I would love for him to come out. Connor's going to come out hot. Yep. Connor's going to bounce around a little bit. It's going to be about, I say, no more than six seconds and he's going to start throwing them. If Dustin thinks he can eat one or two of them and get close to them and, and get those hands together... Maybe take him down. I mean, I'm looking for ways for Dustin to try to to try to win because, as you said, Connor has the striking advantage. That is hands down. He's probably the second best striker in the UFC, behind Izzy. Maybe second or third behind Izzy and some other guys. And he's got. There's no way Dustin can stand with him for two for, for two straight rounds. Nope. Connor is going to get off shots that are going to be too damaging. Um, for, you know, uh, against Poirier for that. So I like what you said, man. I think that if he comes out and even even does the clinch work, I'm not saying take him down. I'm not saying to go make it a jiu-jitsu match. If he can even get a hold of Connor, get him up against the fence, get some elbows off, you know, make Connor work, I think it would be a huge advantage for Dustin. I feel like we hear this every Saturday where people say styles make fights. And different fighters, you got to have a different approach. And you see it, John Jones, brother, he's been ruling that That's division. That's why he's a goat. That division, that division. Yeah, he's been ruling that division for so long. But he doesn't strike with everybody. He doesn't wrestle everybody. He knows the weaknesses of his opponents, and he attacks that weakness. If I'm Dustin Poirier, and I know that Conor McGregor is one of the best strikers that UFC has ever seen, I'm not striking with him for the first 10 minutes. I'm going to go out there and do what Habib did. Try to grapple. Try to take him down because his takedown defense is great. He showed it against Habib in the first round. I mean, yeah. it was tough to take him down. Yeah. But you got to try. And that's the strategy he's got to use. He's got to gas him out. He's got to grapple and be able to still be there late in the rounds where he can actually finish Connor if yeah. he wants to. But if he goes out of the gate trying to strike with Connor, Poirier gets hit every single fight. Yeah. And the pop that Connor brings, it's a different story. I want to The array of... The array of strikes as well from Connor, the angles Mm -hmm. that he hits with and he creates with his footwork is what makes Connor extremely special. Connor said this quote, I want you to, I want to get your reaction. He said, this was, he was asked about uh, Dustin Poirier on his, on and asked why he predicted a quick knockout. He said, I like Dustin Poirier. I think he's a good fighter. He's even a great fighter, but a great fighter is still levels below me. I will knock Dustin out inside 60 seconds. I mean, I got to say, bro, Connor, Connor has shown his level of striking. And if I, let me tell you, as good as Habib is, if Habib would have stood there for 25 minutes to just strike, take the grappling out of it, he would have lost to Connor. Oh, yeah. So when you talk about striking and he knows Poirier is going to sit and strike with him, 
he's the highest level of striking at 155, and yeah. that's period. There's yeah. there's no way around it. You cannot throw Gaethje in. You cannot throw Poirier. You cannot throw Tony. Nobody. When you talk about striking, pure striking, you know, kickboxing, Conor is the best at 155. Yep. So he knows that Poirier is great, but he's not at the level that he's striking. Now, if you mix in the grappling like Habib did, then it's a different story. Yeah. Because he's not the greatest at grappling. So you might be a level above him on that. But when it comes to striking, bro, Poirier has no chance. Super, super early prediction. Give it to me. What do you think? We haven't talked about this yet, even in the Ooh. chat. Ooh, we super haven't. early prediction. Super early prediction. I say Poirier is going to hold off the first two rounds, and he's going to finish him in the fourth. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Dustin Poirier is going to finish Poirier. Conor McGregor in the fourth. Louisiana, baby. Lafayette, Louisiana. And that will project... Dustin Poirier into a level of greatness in the MMA world. I don't know if he's prepared for. He just signed a new eight fight deal. He did a new eight fight deal, guys. Eight fights. I think my man got paid too. And he said he wanted to fight all of them. Oh yeah, he says I want to fight all of them. So the UFC must think very highly of Dustin Poirier because don't guys, he's getting paid on this new contract, and he's got mm-hmm. eight of them. Thing. It's not like three or four, and you're going to count Connor as one of them. Eight of them. So the UFC is high on Dustin Poirier, but I do think it's going to be a finish. I think that Connor will finish Dustin. I think that the history will play big. And I, I really just believe that Dustin, even if the first round, he tries to mix it up. I think in that second round, I I think it's going to, I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be finished. But as I said, man, Dustin is, Dustin's a hell of a fighter. And he's he's the guy I would pick to be Connor if there's going to be a guy yeah, right now. Both things we said are both things that can happen. Yeah, Connor finishes no early or Poirier wins late. Oh yeah, and you you saw Connor's power at 145, knocking everybody out. We don't have enough data at 155. I mean, he no, had the had one the fight against Eddie. Eddie. He cleaned him out. I mean, it was easy. And then Habib, but you saw you saw Habib. You know, Gaethje hit him with some shots also, and Gaethje yeah. has 94% finish rate in the UFC, and he walked through them. So yeah. that's a different chin. So maybe at 155, he's the same guy as 145. Maybe. We just, we just don't have the data. We're 170 is a different animal. I mean, he's going to hit guys over there that they're just going to walk through his power. Yeah. But at 155, you might be right. Yeah. He might be able to get that power from 145, and 155 is still relevant, and he's going to finish him quick. It yeah. can happen. We'll see, man. The first round, uh, whatever Poirier brings out in that first round, will determine how the how the fight will go. Hold on, I got His one more question. strategy. One more question. Let me hear it. You saw how he came out against Cowboy. 40 seconds. 60 seconds against Poirier. You think he would do the same and just come out guns blazing? Listen, I think Cowboy... I don't know what happened in that fight. We'll never know. I think Cowboy was overwhelmed. I think the, the Conor McGregor show, I think the hype... Um, I mean, what's too big? The media. I think, I think he... It just... It was just unfamiliar for cowboy and i think i think he just was overwhelmed by everything so i i don't believe we even really got a a, a fighter in that in in that fight and it still took him 40 it's not going to be 60 if it is 60 seconds bro we're gonna be videotaping this oh yeah i don't know how i'm gonna react but i don't think it's 60 i do think he finishes him but it's not i don't think it's 60 also, if he misses with that left cross, Poirier will probably go for the takedown right there. That's what I'm saying. He freeze like Cowboy. I think Poirier, I think he's got to, you know, he's got to mix it up. But Connor did show in that fight against Cowboy his willingness to to throw the kicks and throw the knees and whatnot. We hadn't seen that a little while from Connor. Yep. We hadn't seen that. So it was good to see Connor get back to his roots because, you know, back in his back in his day when he first came to the UFC, 
you you would see a lot of kicks. Bro, that fight against Dennis Sibber, he was throwing spinning back. Spinning back oh. kicks. The, I mean, it was that's what made Connor great at, at that point in time, man, was his ability to to measure the distance. And then when he would, you know, he would hurt guys, get them on their heels, he would close that gap so quick and he would finish, dude. So we'll see, man. This is gonna be I don't know what we're gonna get from either guy, but January 23rd, we're gonna find out. Any number three, UFC 259, coming right now. All right, guys, any number three, and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but we have to talk about this. UFC 259 on March 6th. We will be in spring training. Mm. This is going to be, to date, I believe, the best UFC card ever. It's got to be. It's got to be. Guys, I want you to listen to this, okay? The latest UFC 259 fight card, Jan Blachowicz versus Israel Adesanya for the light heavyweight title. Oof. Amanda Nunez versus Megan Anderson for the women's featherweight title. It's a goat. Peter Jan versus Aljamain Sterling for the bantamweight title. Three title fights. Alexander Rakic versus Rakic versus Tiago Santos. Massive, massive light heavyweight fight there. Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kennedy. Wow. Casey Kenny, excuse me. A, a goat at 135. Drew Dober versus Islam Makachev, the sleeper fight of the night, in yeah. my opinion, already. For you guys that don't know Islam Makachev, he's Habib's protege. Yes. Then we got Askarov versus Joseph Benavides. Mm, Askarov ranked number three, Benavides yes. ranked number two. Yes. And then we also have, rounding out that night so far, Wait, Joseph Benavides in the prelim? Joseph Benavides. In this the is, prelim? They don't know that. They don't oh. know yet. It's not set yet. But this oh. is the fight right now. And then we also have um, Sean Brady versus Jake Matthews. Randy Casa versus Trevin Jones. Tim Elliott is back versus Jordan Espinosa. And Amanda Limos versus uh, Livana Souza. Guys, this card, even take away the three title fights, which you cannot ignore. But I mean, with, with, with Islam... With Tiago versus uh, Rocket Rachik, I mean, bro, this card is explosive. This has got to be one of the highest. This got to be one of the highest non Conor McGregor uh, pay per views in uh, UFC history. It's bro, be. bro, this is this is a crazy card. Let's we're gonna talk about the dream title. Of. Yeah, we're, we're gonna talk about the title fights, but let's go. Let's go down a little bit. Rakish versus Tiago Santos. We all know Tiago Santos, the guy with the big hammer on his chest. He sleeps people. He slept the champ, Blackwich, a couple years back. I mean, this guy's a monster. You got Rakish, bro. Rakish is a monster. He's a prospect that got into the UFC. He's been knocking everybody out. He's been leg kicking people into the ground. I mean, Anthony Smith in the first round hit him with a leg kick that he just dropped him. He's scary, dude. This is a scary dude. This guy has an iron chin. I like heavyweight. You need an iron chin because all these guys hit like a truck. And then you got Dominic Cruz. And you got uh, Kenny. Kenny just fought in, in, in the last fight island. Yeah. And he put up performance of the night. I mean, fight of the night. I mean, this guy's a ninja. And he's fighting Dominic Cruz. This is not an easy fight for Dominic Cruz. No, this it's is a tough fight, an easy for, Dominic fight for Dominic Cruz. I mean, you got Joseph Benavides who just lost a title match against um, Figueredo. I mean, bro, this car is tacked. And then bro, you got Peter Janik. Drew Dober versus Drew, Islam bro. Makachev. My God. I'm telling you guys We've right now. We've been waiting on Islam for a minute. We've been waiting on Islam and Drew Dober put a hell of a performance last year 
Uh, I don't remember if it was on I UFC mean, Apex or the Fight Island. Apex, I think Alex did great. Yeah, and he he slept him. We've been talking about this dude for a couple months now. He is a beast. And Islam Makachev, as Carlos said, is the protege of Habib. This is going to be the fight. Yeah. This I mean, is going to be fight of the night. This, this is a sleeper fight right here, bro. Not many people know about this fight. This is a sleeper fight. Drew Dober trains with Gaethje. Yep. He trains with Gaethje. He trains with uh, Trevor Whitman out there in uh, Colorado. This guy is a master full striker. And then you got Islam Makachev that was trained by Habib's dad since he was a little kid. So he's on the same training regime as Habib. And this guy is tripping people down like they weigh nothing, bro. They're, he's tripping them down like they're flyweights. I mean, this guy is no joke. I mean, you're on the clinch with this guy all of a sudden. You're on you're your, down, back. You're your back. Yeah, you're on your back. I mean, this guy's a monster. And I see if Drew Dower's takedown defense is not great and his jiu-jitsu is not great, this guy's getting finished in the first round. I mean, this guy better watch out because when Islam Akasha gets his hands on you, yeah. you're going down. Very and you're much going like to sleep. Habib. Yeah, you're going to sleep. So let's talk about the, the title fights that have been announced on this card. We have Jan Blachowicz, wow. the Polish power, versus Israel Adesanya for the light heavyweight title. Israel Adesanya is attempting to go for double champ status. Wow. Wow. Bro, I'm telling you, Isi wins his fight. He jumps into a category that not many people can jump in you're 100%. With less than 10 fights in the UFC. You're right. 100%. I mean, this guy... He, he has no easy fights since he got to the UFC. None. He's been and fighting now, beast and, and now beast. Vittori is in, the, is in the top five or top six of the UFC um, 185 division. And we're sitting here saying, Marvin Vittori? Maybe he gets a, maybe he fights against a, um, you know, maybe he fights against Darren, uh, Till. Darren Till or another one of these big time dudes in the top five. And he, he puts a performance up like that. Maybe he gets a title shot. I mean, bro, I, if Israel Adesanya makes Light work out of Jan Blachowicz. I don't. I don't know what's. I don't know what's left for him. Yeah, and it, it's really, really hard for me to see Easy losing this fight. I mean, I told you already. It's hard to see it. I already told you. I said I'm never betting against this guy against another striker. This guy showed against Paulo Costa that this guy can do with you whatever he wants when it comes to striking. And Jan Blachowicz, like you said on the last fight against Dominic Reyes, he needs to mix his wrestling in. He needs to make really easy want to get those underhooks so he drops his hands and then he can drop that polished hammer on him. So if Jan Blackwood is going to beat easy, the wrestling is going to be a huge part on this fight. Yeah, I 100% agree. Jan Blackwood has to make wrestling and jiu-jitsu on the mat a top priority. This dude is filthy on the ground. He, hold, he I mean, he's one of the best. Definitely, I think maybe, you know, he's not as good as, um, not as good as, uh, as Dos Anjos, um, Glover, not as good as Glover tear on the map, but, um, he's close. I mean, and, and he's strong. I mean, Polish power for a reason. I love the way he uses kicks against Dominic and his hands. They got power, bro. There's, there's no denying it. So it, I don't really see it. I mean, Izzy is so elusive. Is he, if, if he's going to come in and try to wrestle, he's got to come in striking first and then go for the takedown or is he got to overextend and Izzy just doesn't make those mistakes. No, that's what's been so oppressive about Adesanya is he does not make mistakes and fights and does not give the the opponent the ability to capitalize on them. So Jan has his work cut out for him, man. If 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 Izzy wins this fight, man, it 
he's going to be up in that conversation top five type conversation already. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, one big part for Janice, he's got to check those leg kicks. Yeah. We saw Paulo Costa, what they did to him one round, 20 leg kicks. He was done. Yes, he was done. And Trevor Whitman says, Hey, we know Trevor Whitman. He's one of the best out there. He said, a leg kicks, a calf kicks. You're compromised. Compromised. He landed 20 on Costa in the first round. Yeah. Was, if, if Jan Blackwood doesn't block and doesn't uh, check the leg kicks, he's in big trouble. Because then he comes to a leg kick, the, the question mark kick, and then your eyebrow is bleeding. Yeah. Like, this guy is, is a master. He's a world-class striker. And he's probably one of the best we've seen, if not the best striker we've seen in UFC history. I think you, I think Ezreal Asanya is the best, the best striker. Because Anderson history. was great, but what this guy is doing right now against the level of competition he's doing yeah. it, yeah. and how he's doing it, right? It's crazy. It's it, it's impressive. And we, of course, we have the the lioness Amanda Nunez returning versus uh, Megan Anderson. I mean, this, this is you know, anytime you know, anytime Amanda fights, you you kind of like, yeah, you know, good fight. But we're all expecting uh, a dominant performance. Yeah, you you said it takes two to tango, and right here, I don't I don't see um, Amanda having a good dance with with uh, Megan Anderson. I see a early stoppage. I see a second round knockout on this one. She's gonna land that overhand right yeah. once again, and Megan Anderson is gonna go face first into the canvas, and she's gonna get slept. Yeah, no disrespect to Megan. No. She's a good fighter. She's a good fighter. But. but we talked about the levels. And that's why Amanda might not sell as many pay-per-views as we would like the GOAT to sell. But it's because she doesn't have great yeah, dance partners. Valentina course. has to go up. If you want to sell a great pay-per-view, do Amanda versus Valentina. And I don't see Valentina going up anytime soon. She's dominating. No, she's dominating. There. Easy and fights. Yeah, it's easy fights. And I, I do think that Valentina probably had her best fight against uh, Amanda in that, in that number two. And Amanda edged her out. It was a great fight. But I think that's the best that... Um, that's the closest that fight will be, in my, in my opinion. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Amanda, I think she wins that fight. I think she's going to win it easy, you know, via knockout as well. Um, you know, but she is the GOAT for a reason, man. And as you said, the pay-per-view numbers aren't there because the, this, the interest can't... You can never really tell me Amanda Nia is going to lose. I just won't believe it, uh, leading into the fight at least. Of course, and then we also, for the third title fight of the night, long overdue, Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling for the Bantamweight title. Sterling coming off an amazing win, and uh, so is Peter Yan. Peter Yan fought, um, fought Aldo, and uh, Aljamain Sterling fought Sanhagen. Hell of a fighter and uh, that Sanhagen is, and, and made easy work of him in that first round. What was that, like 20 seconds? It wasn't Sanhagen. long. He got, he got his back, put him in the backpack, and he choked him out quick. I mean, you know, this is the, the what we always talk about, striker versus grappler. Yeah. And who's going to win? I got to go again with the grappler. I always say grappling or striking. I mean, you saw the champions in the UFC. They're great grapplers. All of them. Even Easy, who's an amazing striker. His takedown defense is flawless. So in order for you to beat Aljo, you got to maintain that fight on the feet. Yeah. And if Peter Jan is able to do that, he'll probably win. But Aljo, oh, he's a great grappler. He is. What he did to Corey Sanhagen is no joke. Corey no. Sanhagen is a world-class grappler. Bro, this we, guy can, bro, we were talking about Corey Sanhagen like, yo, he's going to, if he beats Sterling, I mean, he's going to go fight, you know, Peter Yan, and he's going to beat Peter Yan because like Corey Sanhagen stand-up ain't no joke. Mm-mm. It's no joke at all, but it was no match for, for the grappling and, and, and the, uh, you know, the levels of jiu-jitsu that uh, Sterling brings. So it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be a, a battle of, Basically, Peter Yan being able to get off enough heavy shots 
to stop that, you know, full out assault of, of Sterling getting inside. And that's going to be the game. That's going to be an interesting fight. It's going to be an interesting fight. But now that we talk about Corey Sanhagen, does he have a fight book? He has one coming up. It was because I want to see Rob Font versus Corey Sanhagen. I mean, those two guys, they slept um, Marlon Moraes in a spectacular fashion. And, you know, Marlon Moraes doesn't have the best card and the best shin, but he can bang. He can bang. And these guys made easy work of him. Corey Sanhagen with a nasty kick. Oh, bro, we got Corey Sanhagen versus Frank Yeager coming up. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That should be a a good fight for Corey. But, man, I want to see Rob Font fight somebody big in the top five. I mean, Jose Aldo is there. TJ Dillashaw is there. TJ's coming, bro. TJ's coming for his bantamweights. We, we, we forgot about TJ. Oh, TJ's coming. He's done. I mean, what? His, his suspension is done. No, no, no. He's still got one week or two. Are you sure? 20, 20th of January, I think it is. Okay. We, we completely forgot about TJ Dillashaw. TJ's coming, bro. Hey, and he's been training like a monster, An animal, bro. bro. He's been training like an animal, dude. He is... He has been putting he has been putting in the work, and th- th- you know he he wants his title, bro. He wants to show everybody that 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 he earned that title, bro. He's for real. I mean, this guy was a champ. January eighteenth. So he got coming sus- up. He, yeah, he got suspended, but he's never lost the belt in the octagon. No, so he's gonna go out there and reclaim what's his. And I think he has every single tool. That's right. In that box to beat all these guys. Yeah, if Sterling wins that belt, he may not, he may not have for long. Yeah. Wow. I forgot about that. I bro. did too. Wow, that, that was a little bomb you just dropped. Hey, Aldo's a good fight for him to come back to. Aldo's a great fight for him to come back. And super legends fight too. Well, guys, UFC 259 is a little far off, but we had to talk about it. The fights have been have been being announced for this. It's just crazy. We could we could not go, you know, very far into this pod with, with, without letting you guys know that this is the fight to circle. This is the one. Do not miss UFC 259. Save the date. Save the day, baby. UFC 259 on the sixth of March. Coming up next, we have the Wolf versus Leon booked. Again, will it happen? Welcome to inning number four, guys. And again, we have the Wolf versus Leon Edwards booked for the third time. Will the third time be the charm on January, February, March 13th? Is it going to happen? Will it happen this time? I hope so, bro, because this is giving me Habib versus Tony Ferguson vibes, bro. I mean, they tried to book this fight three times already. It was hard enough to get Leon to say, yes, I'm going to fight. They had to take him out of the rankings. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to fight. If you're three, you don't want to fight 15th, especially with the height that this guy has and the, the skill set that this guy has. I'm yeah. talking about Chimaev. I mean, it's a tough fight for him. But this is the fight that for me, for me, I don't know about you and you're going to tell me, but for me, this is the fight that I'm going to see both of them are for real. Because these yeah, guys, no, I agree. They shown and they mauled everybody on their way. But this is a fight that Leon is on an A fight win streak. But the best guy he beat was RDA at 170. RDA makes his best work at 155 because he's too small for the 170s. So Leon, Leon was like a foot taller than him yep. in that fight, and he dominated that fight. Chimaev, obviously, he hasn't faced anybody in the UFC. So we're gonna see if these guys are for real or not. And I'm expecting, bro. A 25-minute war. I want to see a 20. I want to see Shimaev go deep into a fight and show his full arsenal. Because people are saying, hey, this guy hits like a light heavyweight. This guy has one knockout punch power. And this guy has the best grappling um, that division is going to see. 
I want to see all that skill set. I want to see that yeah. arsenal. We, we, I mean, we've seen bits and pieces, right? I mean, we've seen the the grappling in the two, and then you know, uh, you know, we saw the 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 one the one shot knockout power the third fight. But you're right. I mean, the opponents that he was facing in those were the opponents the UFC put in front of him. Cannot knock uh, Chimaev for fighting those guys. Like Jordan he said, too. he wanted to fight. He fought, you know, he wanted to fight every week at SEMA at some point. If he wouldn't have had visa issues, maybe he would have fought every week or, you know, at least, you know, every couple weeks. Um, this is going to be exactly what you said it's going to be. It is going to let us know, does Leon Edwards deserve um, the, the, the the big title shot? He's going to answer the questions because, you know, he hasn't really fought any, you know, any huge names and RDA was at 170. And, you know, does Shemaev... Can he answer the bell? Can he fight a guy who's one of the UFC elites in his division? And can he put on the same kind of performances he has against other guys? My gut tells me yes. My gut tells me that the wolf is for real. That um, you know that Shemaev has the ability to to hold that belt. And I do still believe that it's going to be if Usman can get versus get through Burns. It will be Usman, one of Usman's toughest tests because of the style that the wolf brings based off the other guys that Usman has fought against. But he's got to get through Leon first. Leon's a hell of a striker, but we we, ha- we don't see a lot of knockouts from Leon. We don't see the the you know the, oh, the the highlight reel finishes. So what is the wolf scared of? Leon gets taken down a lot. He does, but he does get back up and he keeps going. But Leon gets taken down a lot, and we have seen the wolf. If there's one thing that we know about the wolf. Is his wrestling, his his strength is world class. It doesn't matter if he hasn't fought anyone. If he gets Leon on the mat, I don't know if Leon's getting up. If Leon can hold him off and maybe he, maybe he, you know, maybe he lands some strikes and he he, he lets the wolf know, hey, you're not just gonna come in here, take me down, do what you've been doing, and we can stand and trade a little bit, Leon could have a shot. But if the wolf is able to get inside and be able to put Leon on his back, it, it I I don't I don't see it, man. When you have a guy that dominant at the grappling game and is able to control his opponents on the ground like that with the power he possesses. Because you have guys like Colby Covington who can get guys to the mat, mm-hmm. you know, but they don't have, you know, the finish ability that the Wolf has because the power is not there. The Wolf is a massive 170. Massive. A right? massive 170. He is. He is he's going to be similar height to Leon, maybe an inch uh, bigger than Leon, but, but the strength and the weight that the Wolf possesses at 170 is I believe a different level, and I think that's that's going to be the difference, man. He doesn't have to respect the striking, and also I hate to say it against Usman if he gets there, he doesn't have to respect that striking much either. So I think the Wolf toughest test after Leon, if he wins, will be Burns because of the striking and the jiu-jitsu and the world champion jiu-jitsu background of, of Burns. Yeah, that'll be his toughest test after Leon. I believe he matches up against Usman better than, better than he does Burns. Well, you made a great point right there. What is the wolf gonna be scared of nothing. Leon doesn't knock people out, bro. Nope. He wins. He's won split decisions against Gunnar Nelson. He's got unanimous decision against Dos Anjos and all those guys. It's all being decisions. He's a point. He's a point winner. The wolf can put you to sleep. He the can fuck? put your lights out on the feet on the mat. He's an octopus. I mean, <laughs> he he gets a hold of you, and he got Dagestani handcuff. He's punching you in the face, and you only got one arm to cover your face. Yeah. I mean, this guy, I don't see the Wolf losing this fight anywhere. The cardio's there. The chin is there. The power is there. The grappling is there. I don't see Leon being better at any single aspect of that game. He's not. I mean, like, maybe just, like, pure experience, maybe? Experience. And I think I think maybe, like, I don't want to do too much about Leon, but I think that I don't want to, like, you know, just 
poo-poo him too much, but in pure striking ability, like, you know, maybe counter-striking and, and creating angles and being able to set up punches. Yeah, Leon is maybe better than the Wolf at that aspect. We don't know because we haven't seen enough stand-up of the Wolf, but bro, Chemayev has nothing to be scared of. He can say, but dog, hit me with your four-piece if you want. Yep. Your ass on the mat. And I don't give a shit what level of competition he faced in those first two fights at 185 and then 170. You don't see people drag dudes to their corner or pick dudes up and drop them in the corner like you saw the Wolf do. You don't see that. I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't care what the competition is. The weight is the weight and guys are still supposed to be similar strengths. The strength that the wolf possesses is like a Habib type strength where he's just stronger than you. He's just stronger than it's, you. It's a lifetime of grappling, brother. And bro, the first fighter of the wolf, he was at 185. That yeah. was a big boy. He yeah. took him down. Bro. And while taking him down, he dragged him to dragged his coach. Like a rag doll. Bro, this is 185. The fighting is going to be at 170. Yeah. I mean, he might rack the whole Leon and it might be bad. Bro, I think he's going to. I, he might be bad and it will be great for the sport. It might I be bad for Leon, but it's going to be great for the sport. If I had to predict right now, I think it's going to, the belt, the opening bell is going to happen. They're going to, they're going to both going to square up and they're going to stand. I think for the first minute or so. And then I think the wolf is going to realize, okay, this guy has some striking abilities as far as, you know, seeing some punches coming, being able to slip and create some, create mm-hmm. some angles or whatnot. And he's going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah. I'm over it. And done with this. The Wolf, he ain't no slow starter. No. Leon, he likes to measure you up. He likes no. to get that timing. The Wolf don't mess around, bro. You know what this reminds me of, bro? When I talk about Jan Blachowicz versus Izzy, I'm talking about a guy who just doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Jan Blachowicz does not give a shit. He's going to come in there to brawl. And he's going to, and, and whatever happens, happens. That's the Wolf. He's going to enter that octagon to freaking brawl. He's not there to, to, to win point to the judges and win a decision. He's there to finish you, and he wants to finish you in the first. Yeah, we've seen it since we've been watching combat sports. Confidence is huge. Confidence is huge. And the wolf has it all. Oh, bro. He has it all. <laughs> I don't think, and the more I talk about it, I don't, I don't even think it's going to be much. I don't want to be like, you know, disrespectful to Leon, but I think guys do come around sometimes that floated under the radar and have a, an array of skills. You hear the way that people talk about Chemayev that trained with him um, over there in Sweden, I believe. Mm-hmm. You hear the way they speak about him. And even here at the Apex. They hear at the Apex, and they, say, and they say, this guy, he's a different breed. So I don't know how he went under the radar so long, but he's, he, he, he's ready to take his crown. He's here to stay. He's, he's here ready to take his crown. He's going for that title. So Usman versus Burns, I believe, will be... The following Paper title game. shot will be the Wolf versus one of those two guys. All right, guys, is it for any number four? We are talking the UFC paid list. Earlier this week, there was a paid list dropped. We're going to go over it a little bit, talk about some surprises we see, talk about some guys that we we thought maybe getting paid more, maybe getting paid less, and what we think it means for the UFC heading into 2021. Coming right now. All right, guys, welcome into A number five. And as I mentioned, we're talking the paid list that dropped. And um, this is from MMABreakdown.com. Now, it is it is good to note um, that the fight, the fighters getting paid here are the disclosed pay. The disclosed pay basically means what the UFC says that they made to show. A lot of times you have a, um, a you know, a fight week show 
pay. Then you have a basically like a, like a fight bonus. And then, you know, you got the Reebok money and, um, you have, you know, performance of the night, you know, fire the night, all those performance bonuses. So this does not include pay-per-view money. Now it's a little confusing for people who aren't aware of kind of how it works is basically the big time boys, the guys who are top few in the rankings, fighting the main events, fighting on pay-per-views that are selling the pay-per-views that they're, they're marketing for those will get sometimes get a cut of the pay-per-view money. So for example, here you have number one, Habib, he made six milli just to walk to the cage to fight against Justin Gaethje. And number two, you have Conor McGregor at three million on his walk to the cage to fight um, Cowboy. Now, Conor said he was going to make close to 80 million in that return. If that's true, that means he had to make up 77 M's. So give or take, that's sold a million pay-per-views. So maybe Conor's getting paid between five to seven dollars per buy. Um, so that after will go to Connor. You got to add the gate because he was pre-COVID. The, so gate. the gate. He gets cut of the gate. So there's a lot of things that the UFC does to, dis- I don't want to say, it's kind of disguising. They kind of disguise fighter pay because I don't think they want everyone saying Connor McGregor's making $70 million for a fight. I shouldn't be making 100000 I should be making a million. I'm not as valuable as Connor McGregor, but I sure am at 170th of as valuable. So they do a lot of kind of backdoor, closed room deals, but these are the fighter pays. Looking at this sheet, what surprises you from this sheet? I got to tell you, Habib getting paid more than Conor just to show, and this is a fight where Conor was coming back from retirement once again. He fought Cowboy, no strikes absorbed. He landed every strike he threw, $3 million. He probably got a huge chunk and probably ended up making more than Habib. Because he saw 1.3, pay per view, something like that. I mean, you know, Connor's still the king of the pay per view. Um, but bro, this surprised me. Habib making double just to walk into the octagon for me it was surprising. Because for me, I always thought Connor is the king. I yeah. mean, this is the guy that made the UFC what it is right now. This is the guy that's making all these fighters from 176 on Daniel Pineda to number one in Habib get paid more. I mean, Connor is that guy, and that's why all the fighters are grateful for him. Even with his antics and everything, they will always be grateful for him. But, bro, seeing that, I was like, bro, Habib is making some cash, bro. That's cash, why he retired. Bro. That's why he said, my mama said here, this bro. and that. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm out of money. here, bro. Um, I think that Habib outpaced Connor because um, there is a rivalry there. There is a big rivalry. It runs deep, and it, it is not about the fight game. It's about things beyond that. And I think Habib basically fa- saw Connor's making three and said, yeah, you want me to make that walk to the octagon? You give me double Connor. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at it, I mean, it is, it is d- about double Connor to, to the, to the dollar amount. So I really do believe that Habib was like, Hey, give me double what Connor got, but don't forget Connor is selling more PPVs. He's getting, he's a pay-per-view King. He had the gate. Habib didn't have any gate when okay. he fought against Justin in October. So Connor got part of the gate, which I would assume there was, you know, give or take 18,000 people there. That gate alone brings in 50, 60 M's. Um, so Connor got a cut of that and then he got a cut of the pay-per-view. If he sold a million pay-per-views, he's getting four or $5 a pay-per-view. That's 50 M's right there. So Connor makes it up on the back end, which is, what is most important to Connor? It's the overall money. But I was too. I was surprised to see that that Habib got more just to walk to the octagon. Um, but I think Connor got walked away with more because he knows the gate and the pay per view is is always going to be huge. Habib, 
although he is the, the greatest fighter on the planet right now, you know, even with fighting Gaethje, it sold 600 um, pay-per-views and there's some dispute if the, if the fight was free over there in Europe and in Russia, but he doesn't get paid for that if it was free. Nope. No chunk of that, brother. But I got to tell you, Dustin Poirier, I'm glad he signed that new deal. And yeah. I, I hope, like you said, it's, it's a great deal because he made less than Dan Hooker. Yeah. He beat the shit out of Dan Hooker. So, yeah, I mean. This he, is a guy that's been around the sport for a long time. So he was probably still on that old contract. And that was fight of the night. Yeah, that was fight So of they the both night. got a bonus. He made 370. And where's Hooker at? 406 Four. up there. So he made 30 G's more. And, you know, I don't know if they would have gotten any back backdoor money in that fight because it, uh, it was a fight night. Uh, who knows? But um, Junior Dos Santos at 1.5. Damn. 1.5 milli. That's the third most. He's ahead of Adesanya, Gaethje, Aldo, Ferguson. I mean, my man cleaned up. Here we go. Anthony Pettis at 855. You wonder why the UFC and Anthony Pettis part of ways? It's because he was making almost a million Dollars and you got guys in this list like the stars of the UFC, Corey Sanhagen, Sean O'Malley, uh, Cody, Colby Covington in the three hundreds, <laughs> bro. Stephen Thompson three twenty. Hold, hold on, hold on. Let me go back to Junior Dos Santos. Right? Yeah, he me, fought three times. Yeah, he fought three times in twenty twenty. I yeah. realize this. He got finished by Blades in the second round. He got finished by Rosenstrike in the second round, and he got. <laughs> Finished by guy in the second round. So this dude he made, made $1.5 million. Oh my for, God. 1.5. He made 500, 500, 500 pop? Bro. I'll, I'll for do getting that. slept. I don't know if I'd do that for getting slept like not that. Not by these dudes. <laughs> Bro, getting slept. He's on a four fight losing streak. All of them finishes. He's going to get released, I think. Yeah. I mean, the contract's too high. It's time, brother. You're getting paid a lot. The contract's too high. Wow. He's the third guy on the list. Did, any, did anyone shock you like, like super low on this list that you thought, man, that that that, that guy's got to be getting paid more money. I gotta say, my girl Rose Namahunas all yeah. the way down here, bro, yeah. at one forty one. That's not good. Making one sixty thousand. I mean, maybe she don't care about the money, and you know, she's happy with her little garden. Um, you know that she takes care of. Um, we saw it on the Embedded series, but man, she's gotta ask for more. I mean, this girl is elite, as elite as it gets, and she's gonna be a tough test for Wei Lee. So hopefully. We get her seat getting close to 300000 for that fight. Bobby. <laughs> Diego Sanchez, 350 No. Yeah. Wow. 353 right here. Wow. Where is... Um, Probably fought twice, right? So, Wei Lee fought in the main event, the fight of the year. She got 290 That was fight of the night. Where is Joanna on here? Damn, I don't see her, I can't bro. see... Where is Joanna? I can't find her. Um, damn, bro. She might. Where's she at? She's got to be in the 70s or 80s. You got the 70s or 80s over there? Yeah. She's not here, brother. She got to be on here somewhere. Kaylin Kukagan, 470. That's pretty good right there. That's real nice. She fought like five times. Because we we did have that thing where Joanna said that she wanted wanted more money. Um, you know, you got Sean O'Malley here at 300, Corey Sanhagen 300, Shemaev 300, Wei Lee, like I mentioned, 290. Where's, where's 90? Oh, Joanna's not in the top 150? Yeah, she's got to be. She's not. <laughs> yeah, she has to be. She's not. Oh, 123. She made 186. 
Wow. 186,000, bro. Now, guys, that includes the fight of the night, which is 50 Gs. Jeez. So my girl made 130 to show for that fight. It looked like Mega Mine after the fight. fight. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> Rose Namahunas, 160. Yeah, man. But the UFC overall pay is up. I do want to mention that. The, the average UFC fighter is making about $6,000 more than they made the year before. But I just found this list interesting, man. If you guys are listening to this podcast right now, you want to see uh, the list, go over to uh, MMABreakdown.com, uh, you know, backslash 2020 UFC fighter salaries uh, complete list. I mean, this is an interesting list, man. Interesting list because, list because you know, it really kind of breaks down because outside this top, I would say outside this top, maybe um, 20, give or take. I don't think many people are, are getting any cuts. So you have Glover Share at five five fifty. Um, you got John Jones at five forty. He fought once. Cormier at five thirty. He fought once. Masvidal at five thirty. He fought once. He got that new contract. So I agree, man. I'm happy for Dustin Poirier because that's too low for him, and I, and I'm glad that he got that got that new contract. And hopefully that he's getting he's getting really what he deserves. And don't forget um, all the red year. panty night. Red panty oh, night yeah. with Connor. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna get a cut that pay per view. He has. To. I would say. I'll say he's getting and two dollars. There's a gate. There's a small gate. There's a small gate. I think he's gonna get two dollars of the PPV, and you figure it's gonna sell at least a million. Oh yeah, at least. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm thinking closer to one and a half. You're talking twenty five, thirty m's, my boy. I you think may get one dollar. I think two. You may get one dollar a pay per view buy because it's gonna be so many. They they upped it. They upped the pay per view buy money. I need two million pay per view buys, bro. I need people. I to think get it'll it. do it. Yeah, I think it'll do it. Well, that is an interesting little. Uh, Little list there, guys. Like I mentioned, you guys can go go check it out. There are a couple of uh, interesting um, interesting uh, people on this list getting paid maybe too high or too low. So check it out. And any number six, we have a pretty beginning here. Spencer Fisher uh, has a big announcement for the UFC coming up. We'll we'll tell you about it next. All right, guys. Any number six, and it's not it's not a super happy uh, ending here. Um, a UFC veteran who fought from uh, 2002 to 2012 in professional MMA and 17 times for the UFC. Um, Spencer Fisher has announced that basically, um, you know, he has uh, CTE and uh, that's very tough. Um, as, you know, we evolve as humans and as technology gets better and better, we're starting to learn the consequences of, um, you know, head trauma. It was very popular, you know, I should say popular. It's very, uh, it came to light, so to speak, uh, with the NFL and football. There was a lot of lawsuits involved. Um, it's sad to hear, man, because obviously in this sport, um, you are unfortunately putting yourself at risk for, um, you know, head trauma or body trauma, but it's still, it's still sad. You know, nevertheless. Yeah, brother. Um, you know, this is something that's very concerning and it's something that we see a lot in NFL and we're going to see a lot in the UFC because, you know, fighters are getting hit with punches and kicks very often. You know, when you look at Max Holloway, when you look at Dustin Poirier, they've been going through wars. Tony Ferguson, they've been getting hit and hit hard. All the time. So it's really important to raise awareness on this, especially now that Spencer uh, Fisher came out and said it. And Dana White had the interview that you're going to play. Yeah, this is what Dana White had to say. A a big article came out this week about Spencer Fisher. He's kind of gone public, I guess, with everything that he's been dealing with, potential CTE, that sort of thing. Now that that's all been made public, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that situation? No, you tried to financially help him out for a little while. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that situation? Is there anything, you know, we can learn from that situation? 
Listen, we're, we're all learning every day about the brain injury stuff, you know? Uh, you know, we've been invested in, the, in this Rubo Center to try to figure out more. We're now interested in this thing just came out on Real Sports about psychedelics. And we've actually reached out to, uh, to the John Hopkins guys and, you know, we're diving into that. But listen, the, he, he's not the first and he's definitely not going to be the last. I mean, this, this, is a, this is a contact sport and uh, anybody who's ever done this younger, myself included, is dealing with brain issues. It's, it's just it's part of the gig. So that's what Dana had to say of uh, John Morgan. Um, listen. Uh, the, the, the internet print, so to speak, will look worse than what Dana said. Everyone's going to take that clip at the end where he basically said he's not the first, you know, he's not going to be the last and they're going to plaster that all over the internet. The UFC seemed like from the beginning of his quote that, you know, they're looking into trying to find ways to help fighters deal with this better, try to prevent it, talking to John Hopkins, et cetera. But he's right, and it's an unfortunate reality. If you play football, myself included, you know, when I was growing up playing football, there was a thing called cobwebs. And cobwebs is basically when you got slammed on your head or hit too hard in the head and your vision went blurry for like 30 seconds. And it was called cobwebs when I was growing up. And it happened two, three times a game when I would play. And now we find out that's, that's, a, that's a mini concussion. You know, I mean, you just don't know when, when you're growing up. You, there was just, a, the information wasn't there. So now we have the information, but we don't have really ways to prevent other than don't do it. Don't play football. Don't fight. But it's like, this is the way these guys live. This is their, they bring food this to the is their like food this. that they bring to the table. This is what they do. So it's a very unfortunate situation. I'm happy to hear that the UFC did try to help um, you know, Spencer Fisher financially, maybe they'll continue to help him get the treatment he need, he needs, but CT is scary, man. It comes with a lot of side effects, it comes with suicidal thoughts, you know, so I don't know how to, to how the UFC would, would combat this as part of the game. Yeah, bro. I think, I think the best way to prevent this is for fighters, fighters and their camps to take care of themselves. You know, it comes a time in your career where you got to know when to hang them gloves up. For example, Anderson Silva, yeah. way past his prime, still fighting. Stuff like this can happen to you, bro. You're fighting. You're not competitive anymore. You're just getting hit just to make a couple extra dollars. And then you look at Habib. He said, bro, I made my money. My family is set for life. My children are set for life. My grandkids, my great-grandkids are set for life. I'm going to walk out of here healthy. Yeah. And then you look at Muhammad Ali. Yeah. My dude put his gloves on the ropes and he was getting clobbered by heavyweights. But he had a great chin, so he kept coming forward. They got tired and he finished them. But the long term, he can do anything with all that money he made. Yep. You know what I mean? So, you know, for me, the camps and the fighters, they got to recognize when it's time to hang them up. Max Holloway, he's 29, brother. I mean, you see Max Holloway. He looks beat up for yeah, 29. A little, bit, a little bit. So if he doesn't win this fight and he gets one more fight, I mean, he's got to start picking his fights. He can be fighting monsters anymore with all the damage he's been absorbing in his UFC career. Yeah, you made a good point. I like what you said about the camps taking a little bit of responsibility because sparring mm-hmm. is a big issue. People think, oh, uh, you know, fighter XY, you know, fought three times this year. You know, yeah, maybe he got knocked out once or twice. Guys, 
These guys spar all the time. Even when they don't have a fight book, they're sparring. They're getting kicked, punched, slammed on their head, choked out nonstop. And, and, and that would be a way that maybe we could help this. Um, Max Holloway says he has stopped sparring. Has he stopped sparring because he thinks it's beneficial or has he stopped sparring because he has already had, you know, those head issues. He had issues when he was fighting um, Ortega. Um, They had, you know, pushed the fight back. So this is very sad. The UFC, unfortunately, um, is going to be dealing with a lot of these problems as time goes on, as, as, as people get a little bit older, Mm -hmm. um, they're going to pop up, man. And, and other than helping them, you know, monetarily and trying to get them the treatment they need, it sounds like they're trying to find ways to help prevent it or help deal with it. Um, and that's, that's the best you can hope for because you guys, we've seen Israel Adesanya in the ring tell Gaslam, I'm prepared to die. You hear Conor McGregor say it all the time. When I walk into the octagon, I'm fully prepared to die. I mean, these guys are, it's a, it's a different breed. It's a different breed, and, and this type of injury comes along with the fight game, but unfortunately, it's long-term, and it's life-altering. No, you got guys like Tony Ferguson yeah, getting mean, his orbital bone broken and still shattered. wanting to fight. Like, he wants to fight. Like, he don't want the fight to be stopped. Like, he's mad at the referee for stopping the fight. Yeah. Like, you know, these guys, they rely on their camps. They rely on their corners, and if their corners don't take care of themselves, they're dogs, bro. They're alpha males. Yep. They don't want to get beat. An alpha don't want to get beat. So the corner's got to be able to take that responsibility. And I know we saw we, we saw water fired his cornerman, fired his cornerman, but that's the right decision. Yeah, he gets to live another day and he gets to fight again. Yeah. If you let that fight go two more rounds, who knows what could have happened? He was getting beat up badly. Yeah, I mean, it just man. sucks, man. It just sucks because you feel bad for you know Spencer Fisher's family and. Um, you know, I don't want the UFC to be painted as like this villain. Like these guys understand what what, what the deal is. Mm-hmm. They get it. Yeah. But it's just still an unfortunate reality that at the time, you know, you're not dealing with it. It's in the future. And like, you know, Spencer's last fight was 2012. It's 2021. And he's, you know, he's been dealing with this for about a year or so. So, you know, eight, nine, 10 years after the fight game is over, that's when these things start to kick up. And you're, you know, your late thirties, forties, what happens with football players. And we've lost a lot of great men. Um, you know, from sports world in general because of this disease. So hopefully with, you know, technology and finding ways for, for camps to, you know, better treat guys um, and, and things of that nature, maybe, you know, maybe it gets better, but it just sucks because it, 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 we're going to see a lot of it. We're going to see a lot of it, especially with the way these guys are hitting now. It, human, human athletic ability right now is at a peak. We have never been stronger, faster, um, you know, and being able to do more with the human body than we are right now, and unfortunately, it can only take so much. And and you're gonna you're gonna see the, we're gonna see the ramifications of that later now down the road. All right, guys, is it for any number six, any number seven? We're gonna do Dana says. Basically, mm. Dana's been on a little media tour since so he's been over there in um, Abu Dhabi at Yaz Island, and we have a lot of things to discuss in our final segment for the evening. All right, guys, welcome to into any number seven, our final segment of the evening. And we're doing a little Dana says here. Basically, as I mentioned in the previous segment, Dana White's been on, he's been on a little bit of a media tour. He's been, he's been getting his, he's been getting his quotes in. And uh, we have a couple hot topics that um, I wanted to mention here. Uh, first off, Wei Lee. Uh, Wei Lee obviously is the champ coming off that amazing fight against uh, Joanna way back about 10, 10, 11 months ago now. Um, Dana White says that the hope is they can get the Rose, uh, the Rose fight going. They can get that book. And if not, it's Carla Esparza. So originally we heard Dana say 
that Rose didn't want this fight because it was too much pressure. Now he's kind of backtracking in a way without saying it, saying that that is the hope they can get that done. And if not, Carlos Esparza, what what, what do you think of this and uh, the potential two matchups for uh, Whaley? I, I hope Rose takes this fight, brother, because, you know, even though Esparza have been, she's been on a four fight win streak. She has some split decisions in there that have been controversial to a lot of people. But Rose, that's a fight that sells the pay-per-views, bro. That's what we want to see. That's a fight that the MMA fans want to see. Rose, world-class striker with jiu-jitsu background. I mean, she's a thug. I mean, her nickname is Rice. She's a thug, and she's going to go out there and put up a great performance, brother. And we saw Rose sleep Joanna. Yeah. She slept Joanna in, what, the first or second round? Yeah. Second round, I think it was. And then she put on a masterpiece. For five rounds, and but she, she dominated fight. that first round. Yeah, against against Joanna, she it was uh, it was dominant. It was dominant. So, round. so you know, Wei Li's gonna have a tough test right there, and probably a bigger test than Joanna. So this is the fight we want to see. We want to see Wei Li. What is she, how is she gonna look like with a with a girl that's a lot taller than her and she, she's a lot as longer? Crisp. She's as crisp as Wei Li is. I mean, agreed. <laughs> Both of them are elite strikers. Joanna came to brawl, which fits right into Whaley's uh, wheelhouse. And obviously that was a fight of the year. It was a performance of a lifetime by both of them. But Rose brings a similar challenge, so to speak, but a different skill set. With more power. You know, she has much more finesse. She trains with Trevor Whitman. It is about, you know... Is about uh, you know angles and length and using her strikes in, in the proper way and really putting things together. Where Wei Lee, you know, she's much smaller, shorter arms. She's looking to get up close and you know do some damage. This could be a great fight. Um, it's going to be a tough matchup for Wei Lee, but bro, it's it's going to be a tough fight. This it's going to be a good one. This got to be the fight. You know, all respect to Carla. She's been around for so long. Yeah, respect, but... And it would be great for no. her to get a title shot. But the fight that we want right now, the walk-up podcast, we want Wei Li Absolutely. versus Rose. We've been dying for that fight um, ever since Rose's last victory uh, versus Andrade. So we're hoping that that fight gets done here soon. Uh, Dana also said uh, earlier today that they're working on a Nate Diaz fight right now. It's not Tony Ferguson, but he says if they get this fight done... He thinks the fans will like it. This is coming off the heels of a couple of days ago. Dan is saying that he was looking for um, that he was looking for Nate Diaz to fight this year, but you know wasn't hopeful, didn't know, and now we're getting a little more hope that uh, you know Nate Diaz would fight. And today he got dropped out of the 170 rankings. He did. He did. Conor McGregor got pushed in at 15, um, and he got dropped. He got dropped wow. out of there. So I don't know who it would be. I mean, it could be a uh, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't want to see Jorge. He's not Jorge because no, Jorge's fighting no. um, Colby. Colby. Wow, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be. Someone could be coming down from 185, or someone could be going up. The Ferguson would be interesting, but it's too soon. Um, I don't know who it would be, but if he's, if Dana says he, we're going to like it, we're going to like it. Los Angeles, maybe? No. Felder? No. I don't see anything else. That- it's got to be a big name, maybe yet. I don't know. Would it be what? What if it was Nick versus Nate? <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> Stephen Thompson? No, he's dude. He, see, I, listen. I know you. I know you. You're not all my boy, Stephen, the Wonder Boy. But but he's primed himself for for a title fight soon. That's all I'm saying. I don't know who it's gonna be, but he says we're gonna like it. And if Dana White says we're gonna like it, I tend. I tend Justin to Justin Gagey. What? 
Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje versus... <laughs> I'm just throwing names out there. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we'll see, though. Hopefully they get it done because, you know, although Nate, you know, he's never going to fight for a title, he's always fun to watch. He yeah, always brings it. it. He always zombie. brings it. So, also, Dana White told Brett Okamoto this about Conor McGregor. I've seen the social media, but my conversations with Conor, I know when the real Conor's here and the other Conor's here. And believe me when I tell you the real Conor is here. Can you give this us an example? Like, to, have you guys- I'll, I'll tell you right now. I mean, and this is one of the things that I've always given this kid so much credit for. If something happens to Dustin Poirier, he is the Conor McGregor right now that does not give a who we put in that fight. He said he doesn't give a shit who he put in that fight. And if you are a Conor fan, that gets the blood flowing. That gets it going. Because this is the Conor, the assassin we know and we love. Uncle Dana, let me tell you, you don't got to convince me. I'm buying the fight. <laughs> I am buying the fight. Stop with all the hype and stop with all the nonsense of Conor. But Conor's always been back. Conor is a great fighter. Conor is elite. Conor's put Cowboy out in 40 seconds. Nobody has ever done that against Cowboy, especially at 170. I mean, he won around against Habib. He slept Eddie. That's one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in my entire life. Right up there with Easy versus Costa when it comes to striking. So don't tell me that all Conor is back because he's always been there. Conor's been there. And you can tell me, oh, the Instagram pictures after he just did bicep curls for a straight minute to look jack and take a picture while they were, um, you know, spraying sweat all over him. No, the pictures don't tell me shit. I want to see a sparring session. I want to see him rolling on the mat. I want to see how crisp he looks, how explosive he looks, how his timing is. That's what I care about. Know what his pictures look like. A Photoshop you can do all over Instagram now. That's scary. No. Conor has always been back, in my opinion. And this is the test, bro. Cowboy was not the real test. This is the test. You yeah. get past Dustin Poirier, it's game over for everybody in that division. I th- That's I th- not Habib. I think what Dana is trying to say is after that Eddie Alvarez win... You had the Floyd, you had the Floyd ding, mm-hmm. and then you had... Um, he lost before that, Eddie, against Nate. Yeah, I know. I'm saying, but since that fight, yeah. 205. But I'm saying that's still motivated Connor, the right. one that no, lost it was, to Nate. for sure. But I'm saying, you know, the, the, the post-Floyd Connor, the uber-rich Connor McGregor. Proper 12 Connor. Proper 12 Connor. When that was the main, you know, attraction in the Habib fight, that was what Connor was pushing with, you know, all that, the toasting with Dana and the press conference, all that stuff. And then you have the Connor that comes back and is the super humble, you know, just, you know, wants to fight because he loves to fight type of Connor versus Cowboy. Bro, we want the killer, bro. We want the gold pocket watch, you know, Connor, you know, custom suits. You know, if this was a different time, we would ride into this village on horseback, Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. And that's what Dana is saying is back. He says, when I talk to this kid, I know. I can hear it in his voice. I know that this is the killer. This is the guy that does not care. That's the guy I want to see. And I'll tell you why I want to see it. Because I don't want Conor to lose and to continue to hear from Conor fans or UFC fans or UFC media. Excuses. Well, this wasn't real Conor. This wasn't motivated Conor. Conor's 31, 32 years old. The clock's not over. 
But if he wants another title run in this type of division, this is his time. It's got to happen right now. Because if it doesn't, if he doesn't win this fight, it, it, it's money fights and it's money fights and UFC pay per view selling fights from this point out. No, I, I that's I, it. I, I get the point you're making, and I agree with your point. But my point is, let me ask you this: You put third round Connor against Habib. Second. No, no, third oh. round against Habib, right? He already lost some of his stamina, some of his explosiveness. Yes, but his timing was there. Yeah, he was clipping. He was clipping Habib, right? Chin on right. the chin. I'm, talking about, the I'm chin. talking about Connor's mental. The physical, no, no, the physical abilities will be there. I know, but you look, you put the third round of Conor McGregor's Habib, and instead of Habib, you put Dustin Poirier in there, or you put Justin Gaethje in there, or you put Dan Hooker in there. They all are going to sleep. Yeah. So for me, the abilities, the mental might not be in there, but the abilities to still win the fight, because 70% mental Conor is still better than 99% of the roster. I don't and even you know, know 70, but yeah, I agree. So for me, the way he performs Habib, yeah, maybe the foot, whatever, was a balloon and everything. My foot was a balloon. But he looked great on the third round. His striking looks great. Yeah. So if you put a striker in there instead of Habib, he would have won that fight easily too. So that's what I'm saying. Connor has always been there. It's just Habib was just better. Right. Well, we're going to find out, man. We're going to see you know, how good he is because we said, I mean, this is the fight. This is the test that we've been wanting to see. Um, and we're going to find out if, if, if the hype that he's pushing and that Dana's pushing right now is for real. And our last little thing here, uh, Dana White thinks he can convince Habib to fight again. He said, I think better than not, I can convince him. And regardless of what you think about Conor McGregor, if he wins his fight against Poirier, he believes that's the fight to make and that's the fight he'll make happen. And this is what he had to say when asked about his meeting with Habib. It does happen. Are you expecting to walk away with clarity like that day on, on what the future of the lightweight division, or is it a situation where he'll say, let's meet again in a month and figure this out? I mean, what are you expecting out of that meeting? It's going to be a five-minute conversation. It's yes or no. It's yes or no. I mean, I, when, when I left Abu Dhabi last time, and he and I were texting, um, you know, we went back and forth on, on why I think you should keep fighting, and, um, you know, he was super emotional coming out of that fight, so he's had time now to rest, think about it, you know, all the other things. This is going to be a five-minute conversation. That doesn't sound good to me. Not at all. That doesn't sound like the Dana White that we heard in December and whatnot saying, oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do everything I can to convince him. Basically, Dana's, it sounds like Dana's going to walk into that room and be like, hey, how much money is it going to take for you to fight? Mm-hmm. How much cash money, no matter the opponent, you can name your opponent if you want. If you want to fight George St. Pierre, we'll try to drag George St. Pierre out of bed. If you want to go up and fight Usman, they'll cancel that Burns fight in a second for uh, Habib versus Usman. What do you want? Tell me what you want, Habib. And if Habib says, Dana, I'm done. I don't want anything. It's over. It sounds like it's going to be quick, though. It's not going to be this, you know, this long dinner or whatever. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be what do you want? And if I can't meet what you want or you don't want anything, we're moving on. The reason I'm hopeful that he will say, I want this amount of money, or he will say, I'll fight again, is because he will not fly all the way to Abu Dhabi just to say no. I feel like he can just call Dana and be like, Dana, like we're not meeting. I'm not fighting. No matter what, I'm not fighting. So he might be playing hard to get, bro. I mean, when I want to buy a hot pair of shoes... The guy's going to be like, bro, I don't want to get rid of these shoes. I love them. And next month, bro, I don't want to get rid of these shoes. I love them. 
how much are you willing to pay for it? It's on the third month, they're asking. <laughs> so, you know, he's playing hard to get right now, and he's probably going to drop with the 20 amps on Dana and say, hey, give me 20 amps just to show and give me pay-per-view shares, and I'll come back. And then it's going to have to say yes, because everybody's is wanting Khabib to come back to fight Connor. I mean, that fight's going to sell three million pay-per-views, brother. Yes, but Dana has to be careful because... If Conor McGregor wins his fight versus Poirier and he's up for the title shot, Conor McGregor will not allow his opponent to be getting that type of treatment. Mm. So Dana has to kind of be calculated here. I can't be committing 100 M's to Habib if I'm going to give 100 M's to Conor. But I mean, you don't have have to tell people how much you're paying him. Oh, they'll know. Conor will know. You think so? He'll know. It gets out. It gets out. That That type of... It's gonna get out. You you have a point there. I think Habib. I like I like what you said about him flying to Abu Dhabi. You know, I think there may be a guy or two that he's close to that's gonna be fighting soon. So maybe they're already there and they're training, and he may be going there and partly for that. But also, you know, us knowing Habib, maybe it's a respect thing. You know, maybe he says, "Hey, listen, you know, this is this is the this is the guy. This is the boss. This is the UFC here. We're talking about." And he did buy. That um that fighting organization, and maybe he's trying to make a point. This is how you treat people, or you know, him and Dana could do business in the future. He doesn't want to leave off on a sour note, so it could be a respect meeting, you know, a respectful type meeting. Um, I don't know, bro. That just sounds weird to me. That sounds very short, based off of what we've been hearing from Dana. Or maybe Dana is getting the in- inclination that Habib is gonna fight. Yeah, and so he thinks it's gonna be quick. Yes or no? How much you want? Okay, you want fifty m's to walk, and we'll give you you know whatever x y and z or fifty m's total. I don't know. I don't know what it's gonna be. Maybe he says, "Hey, I only will fight P- Saint Pierre. You got to get Saint Pierre to fight me. If he will fight me, then I will fight." It's gonna be one of those type situations. It's gonna be an ultimatum um, off Habib. It's gonna be Dana White is a genie. Mm-hmm. He in this situation, he's Will Smith. In that movie. He is. And the Aladdin. And he's going to say, you know, what do you want? Tell me what you wish for and I'll make it happen for you to fight again. <laughs> and Habib's going to tell him what he wants. Or he's going to say, there's nothing you can give me in this moment in time. I don't want to fight. And that could, and it, he could change his mind three years from now. But in, at this moment in time, he may say, I don't want to fight. So the, 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 the death of his father is still fresh. He passed in September, I think. Or August. August of last year, bro. It's only six months. It's still fresh. You know, the, the healing process is, is not over for him. It, it's a fresh wound. Every time he has to train or in his hometown or whatever, he sees that everywhere. So this is not over for him. Um, he's still training. I know he's still, he is. He's still posting pictures, sweating. Oh, yeah. Dripping sweat yeah. with the sparring gloves on. I mean, he's still grappling with his, bo- with his boys. Yeah, but as I mentioned, as we mentioned in previous podcasts, Habib was, all he knows is fighting. Mm -hmm. He was raised to fight. So him continuing to do that and stay active like that doesn't surprise me. I think his heart for fighting came from his father and now his father has has passed. And I think that heart has gone away at this moment. Yeah. And I feel like also path are colliding. You know, his boy is on my catch He's going to make a push for that title. Um, He's probably going to fight twice this year. He beats Drew Dober. He beats Dos Anjos. Then he's in, yeah, the, in the top five yeah. once again. So, you know, 
He don't want to mess with that. So I think if he comes back, it will be for one fight. One fight. 30 and that's, no, it. that's it. And then Islam Akashi, let's say he wins, then leave the, the a clear path for him to, oh, yeah. to make that run for we the ain't, We're not getting more than one fight at Habib. No. One fight is the most we can hope for. And it's got to be a huge fight. I don't think he wants to give it to Connor. So it could be a, it could be a, um, a G, uh, you know, GSP. It could be Usman. But, bro, GSP doesn't seem like he wants to fight. Bro, when he put that video up on Instagram saying, I got a big announcement tomorrow, I swear he's he was going to say, bro. He's just, he was going to come back. And it was because he was going to launch a freaking workout app. Yeah. Come on, GSP. I bet you a lot of people downloaded that app. Though. Damn, bro. I was so mad. I was like, he's going to fight. He's going to fight. He's going to fight. No, no, I'm dropping an app. Anyway, guys, that is it for A number seven. We appreciate you rocking with us today. We have the closing inning coming right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our podcast today. January into February into March is going to be UFC mayhem. We hope you, you know, enjoyed the show. We hope you appreciate the fight game right now because it's an all-time high. We're looking forward to having more you know, um, inside information. We're going to be texting everybody we can text about that, about the Habib meeting whenever it happens, see if we can get anything on the inside scoop for y'all. But man, this fight this weekend with Max and Calvin, make sure you guys tune in. It is free. It is on ABC. Do not miss it. Bro, this first quarter of the UFC 2021 might be the first, the best quarter that we've seen in a long time. Long, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be tough to top this Bro, one. You got Connor in there. The second quarter may top it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got Connor in there, you got Easy in there, you're talking about two of the best strikers in the game. You got Chandler, you got Ho- I mean, bro, you got everything in there. So, we're excited we're going to be covering it all and we're going to go to spring training soon, brother. Next month we're going to go to spring training, we're going to bring the podcast with of us. Of course. And we're we're going to be doing some cool stuff for you guys. Yeah, we have a couple of little spin-offs here that we're planning for the months of uh, February and beyond. So make sure y'all keep rocking with us on Instagram at the Walkout Podcast. Catch us on the Sirius XM app. Catch us on Sirius XM Fight Nation Thursday at, I believe, 5. We're all over the place, guys. Make sure to catch us. Apple, Spotify, anywhere in between. Our YouTube will be kicking up here soon. We're getting a new camera and uh, we're excited to bring you guys uh, some amazing UFC and MMA content here in 2021. We'll see you soon. Serious XM Podcasts.